Hi, good morning. This is Chris, and welcome to our online service here at Life in the Sun. And thank you, worship team, for leading us into God's presence where we find rest and peace and healing for our souls. You know, last week uh, I got a phone call. I'm sorry, two weeks ago I got a phone call from my wife when I first got to work on a Monday morning. There was a lot of urgency in her voice, and she was recommending that I get home as soon as I can, that she possibly may have broken her foot. So I got home and figured out that the, that our dog, uh, it's a 70-pound lab, had come running around the corner of the back of the house because Cindy had called for him to come back into the house. And when he came running around the corner, he came up behind her and I guess brushed up behind her on her thighs and she got pushed forward and her foot got caught under the dog and when she fell backwards, her leg and foot twisted and she heard a crack. And at that point she felt, yes, that she had broken her foot. She was in a great deal of pain. So we got her in the car and got her to the hospital at the emergency room at Naval Hospital and yes, through CT scan and x-rays, they had confirmed that she had definitely broken her ankle in two places. Uh, her fibula and her the tip of her tibula where the, the tendons attach. And so on top of that, the doctor also recommended that she go through surgery in order to uh, repair the break. And that obviously involves uh, plates and screws and 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 all that so Cindy was a little bit anxious going into her surgery which was just this Tuesday and normally I'm able to go into the APU where they prep you for uh, for surgery but this time because of COVID-19 I was not able to go in and be with her and this caused a little bit of anxiety for her because she has what is called thin veins uh, they're not able to really find her veins in order to start an IV. And it's happened in the past where they poke around and it's painful uh, for her. So on top of the break, which was excruciating, uh, now she's got to go in and, and, and deal with this. So of course she got in there and they were having a hard time uh, finding her veins. and. So she began to pray. Uh, after two times, they were not able. And so she was praying and, you know, praying for them to be able to find her veins easily and for it to not, you know, cause her anxiety and pain uh, in the process. And immediately after she prayed, the actual surgeon showed up in the APU and was asking what was going on because it was taking so long. And they said they were struggling uh, with trying to get her IV in, but. Thankfully, uh, God answered above and beyond and stepped in, uh, ordered an ultrasound machine to come and, and find the vein and then applied some local uh, in order for the needle to go in without her feeling a lot of pain. So they got the IV in, got everything set up and got her off into surgery, which by the way, went well. And now she's back home uh, recovering uh, but the greatest struggle for her, obviously, through all of this, you know, was the excruciating pain. And then now that she's back home, on top of the pain, she's stuck on the couch with her foot raised 
uh, you know, for weeks. And we don't know when she's actually going to be able to get up and be a little bit more mobile. Uh, so that's her struggle. And, you know, Pastor Mark last week was covering on suffering and shared the story about uh, Zarina. You know, God is so good at being able to be with us in the midst of our suffering. And I think that's the heart of today's message. And, you know, so today we are continuing our series in the book of Romans called The Gospel Explained. And again, as Pastor Mark mentioned to us last week, suffering is all around us, especially during this pandemic. It has affected all of us. The impact is global. And if we're honest, you know, our consensus is often that we feel that we don't deserve any kind of suffering, especially when it's arbitrary, especially when it doesn't seem like it's, there's a point to it. it it's kind of arbitrary. And, and therefore, we end up spending a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy, simply trying to relieve, prevent, or negate suffering. So as we will see, Today in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30, God explains that suffering isn't just personal. It is shared by all creation. However, God does give us some good news about suffering in these scriptures. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your word is clear. We thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you that it is a guide to us who are often blind. It is a path for us to follow with you, Lord God. You walk this path with us through the power of your Holy Spirit that has been given to us as a first fruit to help us along this journey that is often wrought with much suffering. So Father, we ask you to bless those that are joining us today online, and we ask you to, Father, uh, comfort those who are in any type of suffering, especially due to this pandemic, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the, today's message is simply titled, Present Suffering and Future Glory. You know, in the NASB, they put these little titles above each section of Scripture, and yes, I borrowed that one from today's section of Scripture, but it couldn't be more timely. Even this morning when I woke up uh, and opened up the Bible app, today's verse uh, is actually, no, because I'm recording this uh, on Friday. Uh, this is Friday, so um, today's verse was actually Romans 8.28 that says that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And it is no coincidence that today I'm covering this very thing. And often we look at suffering that it, it isn't any good, that it's arbitrary. So the question I want to keep before us this morning is how are we suffering? Are we suffering in hope of the future or in fear because we have lost our hope? So this is the painful reality of life. So let's go ahead and start reading in verse 18 of chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy 
to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. You see, just like Cindy, just like Zarina, we have to wait. We don't like waiting. We don't like waiting at the DMV, and we especially don't like waiting when we're in suffering and in pain. But often without God's glory revealed, suffering makes no sense. So that's one reason why we need God. And Jesus also touches on this concept in John chapter 16, starting in verse 21. Let's go ahead and read that. And this was as he was foretelling his resurrection. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. You'll see in today's scripture that, that Paul is asking us to focus on the hope of glory of what is yet to come. We're kind of stuck in between the beginning and the end of our salvation. And God does not want us to lose hope, lose focus, or be tempted to be drawn to the side and derailed, if you were, by any of the suffering that we have to go through in this life. And yes, we are going to experience suffering. All of us will. But God is giving us this encouragement because we too will get stuck in our own anxious longing for our suffering to end, especially without seeing the hope that God has already provided. But you see, first, God wants us to understand that suffering is universal. So picking up in verse 20, we will read, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself also would be set free from its slavery to corruption, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. You know, it doesn't take much to, be, to look at the world, to open our Facebook or turn on the news and see that the world is truly groaning right now. It couldn't be more clear. But the world was subjected to fertility by God's design. You see, we suffer in fertility because we became slaves to corruption way back in the Garden of Eden. This was revealed in verse 21. So let us look at what happened back in Genesis. Starting in chapter 2, verse 17, let's read. But you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That was God's promise to Adam and Eve when he introduced them into the garden. This action, however, when they did eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this action subjected us and all creation to the futility and the corruption that follow. You see, futility simply means pointless or useless. Our suffering often seems arbitrary and pointless.
But as we learned last week, suffering is a direct consequence of sin. And the root of that sin is the lie that we can live without God. You see, the serpent's temptation to Eve back in Genesis was about the idea of not needing God, that we can be independent without God and also without any consequences. So in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we also will read, You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. See, this was the lie. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This death passed to all creation, as mentioned in Isaiah 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Suffering is universal, and it has affected even all of creation. Our sin back in the Garden of Eden affected everything. That's why Paul said already that all creation is waiting. All creatures, everything is waiting for our redemption. But then you might be tempted to ask, why did God even let this happen? Well, you see, he not only let it happen, he actually planned it. So how do we know that it is God that Paul is referring to? How do we know it wasn't Adam, Eve, or Satan? Adam and Eve did not subject the world to futility and hope. Satan did not subject the world to futility and hope. Neither had any plan for our redemption. Only God had that plan. So this leads us to one truth. The futility and corruption and groaning of creation is a divine judicial decree. God de decreed the futility and corruption and groaning of the world as a response to sin. In other words, the sufferings of this life are part of a universal God-decreed collapse of creation into disorder because of sin. So don't think that you or your family have been singled out for suffering. This groaning and corruption and futility have been in the world for all of history and will be till Jesus comes back again. This is a call for us simply to search our heart during this time of pain. Let it make us serious and vigilant and humble. You see, all creation groans. It is a general divine decree on the whole world, and even the precious children of God must suffer with Christ in it. But see, that's the key, with Christ. How do we cope with suffering? by being in Christ through his gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's pick up in verse 23, where the Holy Spirit is given for this very purpose. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. 
For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. <clears throat> for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. See, just like Cindy, even though she doesn't see the outcome yet, a doctor has already told her that she will be healed. And that's the hope that keeps her moving through the suffering. So in the same way, God is calling us to keep our eyes and our focus on our redemption one day. That this present suffering cannot be compared to what is going to be revealed to us on that day. God has given us the Holy Spirit as a first fruit to help us see that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to, to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, to help us believe in our heart and not just in our head. Because when the sufferings come, it will take a deep conviction and hope not to throw in the towel. You will be tempted to say, man, if this is the payoff in, of trusting Christ, I'm done. If he is writing to help us not throw away our hope in Christ, I'm sorry, if that were not a real temptation, Paul would not write this paragraph. He is writing to help us not throw away our hope in Christ when the miseries and groanings of this present time are overwhelming. And finally, the Holy Spirit reveals our destiny. So as we close and we go through our final bit of scripture, let's pick up in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the hearts uh, of the saints according to I'm sorry, he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, this is our destiny, to become conformed to the image of his son. It's going to happen one day. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. This is all past tense. This has already been done. And if we are children of God, Paul says, then we are heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is right out of verse 17. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The anchor of our hope, of our inheritance, is given to us also in, in Hebrews chapter 6. It says, In the same way God, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things on which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one that enters within the veil. 
Part of our inheritance, the world and all it contains is currently defiled under sin and corruption. All creation will be freed from its slavery to this sin and corruption and decay and futility. In other words, the universe will be changed into a place perfectly suited for the perfected and glorious children of God. Isaiah 65, 17 says, Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. God promises that the miseries of the universe are not the throes of death, but these are the labor pains of childbirth. For we are suffering at the present time and longing for the deliverance yet to come. The Spirit is our bridge between our present and our future, between initial salvation and final salvation. We have already been made children of God, verses 14 and 17, but we also wait eagerly for our adoption and our sonship. So how are you waiting? In fear or in hope with Christ, even in the midst of our current circumstances, no matter what they are. Thankfully, our suffering, it is temporary. We are pilgrims here, passing through on the way to our true homeland, heaven. <laughs> Again, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, I'm sorry, this is out of Philippians chapter 3, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has to subject all things to himself. And finally, in closing, we have Revelation 21.4 that says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Father, we thank you that you continue to give us your word. You continue to show us the way forward. And Father, if there are anybody out there that needs to know you personally, to, that needs to know you one-to-one, -one, Father, we pray for them just now. Right now we pray this prayer of salvation. And you can just piggyback with me uh, if you want to pray this prayer. Father, I thank you that you died for my sins, that you thought about me before the world ever began, and that you provided a way for me to pay for my sins and to cover me from my own mistakes, and that you have provided a way out to the death burial, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. I place my faith in him, and I repent of my unbelief, and I turn to you for salvation. Thank you for providing a way of escape for me and giving me the opportunity to enter into your presence, clean and redeemed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, we also pray for those of us out there that are going through suffering, no matter what the, the, the cause may be, we pray, Lord, that you help us to not just endure it, but Lord, it says in your word here today that we wait eagerly, that we wait in joy, that we can actually have peace, 
during these times. So Father, we ask that you bless those that have put their faith in you and show them the goodness of who you are because of your promises are made sure, they're made true, and they're an anchor for our soul. And we pray this in Jesus' name. So be blessed. God bless you guys and have a great week. Amen. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you. Rising up. Rising up with you. I'm rising